0: Alright, take number fucking four hundred and forty seven, if you have a vagina and absolutely love making money, pushing your limits and shattering every fucking glass ceiling that life tries to offer, we are probably soulmates. My name is Courtney Clark, I'm a mental strategist for powerhouse female entrepreneurs and this is Women Up Top. If you know you've already got the ambition, the drive, and the pulsing desire that sets you apart, then this is the podcast that will speak to your fucking soul to make sure that every single one of your crazy wild dreams becomes your sexy, extraordinary reality. Every week, I'll bring you the guests, thoughts and conversations to help you reach your massive success, find life-changing performance, and build, protect, and live through your fierce, fearless confidence. So ladies, let's get raw, let's get real, and let's get rich. Ladies, get ready because today I am bringing you an absolute legend. Never in my life have I had the privilege of meeting anybody that is a better kind of crazy than the man that we are speaking with today. Today, we have got best-selling author of Fit to Fat to Fit, Drew Manning with us. He is best known for his Fit to Fat to Fit experiment that went viral online that I'm about to tell you about in just a second. He's been featured on shows like Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, The View, and many more. And not only has he just been featured but his experiment has become its very own hit tv show called fit to fat to fit and his new book complete keto is also available now today we are speaking with the man that took his body from six pack and all fitter than fit to losing all that and gaining 70 pounds of on purpose, just with the intention to lose that all again afterwards in order to gain a better understanding and empathy for his clients. If that is not some other level of fire in the soul for what you're passionate about, I don't know what is. The moment I heard about this amazing man, I was obsessed. So I am so excited to invite you all into the absolutely extraordinary brain of Drew Manning today. Let's waste... No more time on my voice here because his introduction just does not do him justice. And let's get right into it. Okay, so basically one of, the, one of the main things that you speak about a lot that I kind of want to just dive into from the get-go here, now that everybody kind of has a background of your story and who you are, you speak a lot about your realization where something switched between this is a physical journey to this is a mental journey. And I love that because that is something that I am wildly passionate about because that shift that must have had to take place in your identity for you to start going, this cannot be, I cannot be playing this on a physical level anymore. I want to know kind of how that shift started to happen. What was the shift that, that, that made you start saying, I'm not, I'm now, this is a, now this is a mental game that I'm playing.
1: Yeah, it was it was a couple things. It was during my fit to fat journey. So when I was gaining the weight, right back in 2011, I had this crazy idea to get fat on purpose. Mm -hmm. And during that time was where I realized how much the transformation is mental and emotional. So here's the thing, when you grow up your entire life in shape, part of your identity is based on what your body looks like. So for me, my body was my identity. Mm -hmm. And, And unfortunately, the opposite of that is true too. people who grew up their entire lives out of shape or overweight. Base their identity on their body. And so for me, when I lost the six pack and I lost the muscle definition, I kind of freaked out. I didn't know who I was. I remember wanting to go up to strangers and tell them, Hey, I'm not really overweight. You guys, this is just an experiment. Go to this website. Here's my before picture. Like that's the real me. That's what I felt. And so during this journey, as I gained the weight, I had to realize that I am more than my body. Mm -hmm. And during that process, there was a couple experiences that really opened up my eyes to just how much of transformation is mental and emotional. Because going into fit to fit to fit, I knew it was going to be physical. I knew I was going to get the man boobs and the big gut and the big butt. Like I knew I was going to get overweight. Mm-hmm. But there was a couple experiences. One, I remember my two year old daughter at the time. She, uh, I came home from work. I was exhausted, and she wanted me to chase her around the house. That was one of the games that she liked to play, where I would just chase her for. Literally hours, if she wanted me to, to chase yeah. her for a couple hours, I would. But I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the stamina. I was exhausted because I was overweight. And I remember after a couple of minutes, I sat down on the couch saying, hey, daddy needs to take a break. I can't keep playing with you. And she didn't understand why. So she was trying to pull me off the couch saying, please, please, please. And I, told her, I had to look her in the eye and tell her no. Like, I, can't, like, I literally just don't have the energy. And she started to cry these, you know, these, these, uh, big eyes with big tears. it It really broke my heart because it made me realize how many people, how many millions of people in the world can't play with their kids or their grandkids, not so much because of their weight, but because of their health and how much that must hurt inside. And I realized then, wow, this is becoming so much more of a mental and emotional journey than I ever imagined. So it was experiences like that that really opened up my eyes.
0: She was right. No, I can only imagine. Like, like I was saying that, like, like you were saying there, that, that identity that you do start to have within how you look. And then it's just like, Whoa, like that's gone. Better find something else to put my identity in now, you know? So where did you start to find those parts of your identity? What made you start saying, all right, like I am still enough. I'm still a human being who can do things, even though I don't have the six pack abs and the big muscles, you know?
1: it was hearing from people during my journey. So as I gained the weight, one of the ideas of the second half of the journey was to lose the weight with people. So I invited everyone from all over the world to join me on the journey back to fit. And I realized how many people out there, um, their testimonials of, of what I was doing and how it was inspiring them really opened up my eyes to just how much, uh, how much people out there, um, that, that struggle with their weight or the transformation, um, for them, it's a mental, and emotional journey, and for me, that's what made me realize that yes, I'm going to give people meal plans, and we're going to give them workouts, and we're going to do the physical stuff we need to do. Mm-hmm. But more than anything else, it's all about mindset. It's all about overcoming mental and emotional challenges to make it a true lifestyle change. And so for me, it took me going through fit to fat to fit to understand that better. I won't say that I have a complete understanding mm-hmm. because I didn't grow up overweight. Um, I did it as an experiment, but it really opened my eyes and humbled me and, and and gave me empathy for those that struggle um, with transformation because it, it is a mental and emotional challenge that 's blocking people from from living healthy because if it was just eating less and working out and everyone did that, we would all be skinny we' would all be fit we wouldn 't struggle with it, but there 's an emotional connection to food that is way more powerful than people think, and i didn 't know that until I did fit to fit to fit, so fit to fit to fit was really the eye opener for me that that gave me the empathy, uh, more respect, and a better understanding, and, and it helped me to relate to my clients. And they trusted me so much more afterwards. They trusted me after I de- had done this, and they saw how humbled I was. And yeah. so for me, that's why I have no regrets doing it, even though it was crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, well – you say, you know, you talk about how it's how it's this mental and emotional game and I think that with a lot of things when it comes to, you know, pushing physical excellence, when it comes to pushing excellence in really any area of our life, we are playing that mental game all the time but we focus as if we're playing a physical game, right? We focus on on all that outer work all the time. Why is it a mental game? Because people hear that all the time. I don't think people understand what that means. What yeah. what is the importance of of the the mindset shift of that change that happens within you on that mental level,
1: it's it, it, yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So, for example, um, the reason, or, or I'll kind of describe it for people, the reason it's more of a mental game than it is a physical game, is because people don't know what to do. People don't know how to live this lifestyle consistently, right? They don't know how to live health consistently because. I think it comes down to our perception of what health and fitness is. We think health and fitness needs to look a certain way based off what we see on Instagram or what we see in movies. And people think, okay, I need to starve myself and I need to suffer and beat myself up in the gym to look a certain way so that people will like me and people will treat me differently. If I have a skinnier body, uh, then people will love me and then I'll love myself more. And we buy into this myth that if we just looked a certain way, then we'd be happier and we'll, we'd, we'd all be fulfilled. But if that were true, every skinny person out there, everyone with a six pack wouldn't be depressed. Every, they would be super happy all the time. But trust me, I know a lot of skinny people that still hate who they are, that still think they're ugly and they're fat. Um, so so that's not, the, that's not the truth. It's a myth that we buy into. And so I don't know if that really answers your question, but um, no, I think, I think my hope is to help people change the perception of what health and fitness needs yeah, to, to look true. like on their body and realize that, healthy on your body is going to look different than healthy on my body and, and we need to be okay with that.
0: yeah i love that i think that's really important so obviously going through this journey like it was intentional right the the gaining the weight was that was intentional you were still doing it all on purpose so i want to know did you fall or how many how how much of the, of the unhealthy habits that you were indulging in, did you fall into as a pattern? Because you were doing it so intentionally, I think that, that perhaps there was still that intention in what you're doing, but how much of it actually became habituated um, that towards the end of it, you were av- obviously going to have to start really like unwinding and undoing that?
1: Yeah, that didn't manifest how hard it was until I made the shift, yeah. until I went from fit to fat. And then the next day, I had to you know, show people how to lose the weight. And it was those first two weeks of hell mm. that I'd never experienced before. But it really opened my eyes to what my clients had been telling me. So in the past, I would give my clients a meal plan. I would give them you know, a workout. I would expect them just to do it. It wouldn't be that mm. hard, right? You put the junk food down. You go to the gym. It's not that hard. And then for me, only living this way for six months, I remember how my body rebelled. It was like I was getting off of a drug and going through withdrawal symptoms. And I've never experienced that before where I had headaches. I was grumpy. I was moody. Food. Starving all the time. And here I was, a personal trainer, a proponent of health, trying to tell people, look, it's not that hard. This is what you do. You just follow it. And then I remember how my body fought back and wanted the high from those you know, drugs of food. Um, uh, you know, over and over again, it craved it for about a good two weeks of going through this hell, and I realized, man, this is what my clients go through when I give them a meal plan and expect them to be perfect. I've never realized how hard it was until I did this, and Mm -hmm. it—it was the emotional connection to food that's way more powerful than people think. The problem that we have, you know, not just here in America but all over the world, is food addiction is kind of swept under the rug because Mm -hmm. food is legal; it's something we need every single day. there's commercials on tv for it imagine if a drug addict had to go through a a grocery store and see their favorite drug at the checkout item and everyone else is buying it but they can't have it yeah Uh, that's what it's like in a food addiction um you see other people everyone's addicted to it but you are and so you can't have it you're trying not to tell your body not to have that but your body's going to crave it because it wants the high so Mm -hmm. it really opened my eyes to how powerful food addiction really is
0: well, speak to us a little bit about that, about that emotional connection that we have to food, because I don't think enough people realize that. And yeah, obviously you experienced that on a really crazy level, having that contrast that you had.
1: Yeah. I don't know how it is in South Africa, but here in America, it's, it's, we celebrate every emotion or we, 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 uh, we uh, you know, reward every emotion with some type of food. Um, so if you're happy, you got a promotion at work. Let's go celebrate with some drinks and yeah. um, you know a cake or something. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. hey, you broke up with your boyfriend. Let's drink some wine and eat ice cream, right? <laughs> or oh it's God. it's Christmas, or it's uh, the Super Bowl, or whatever holiday it is, or it's yes. Friday. Let's let's live a little bit. We we you know eat our emotions so much here in America wow. that it becomes wow. part of the culture. And then people are like, "What's wrong with you? It's it's uh, you know it's Christmas. Why aren't you eating this homemade yes. pie that we made?" Yeah. Cake? And they put pressure on you. And so that's what I'm saying is there's this emotional connection to food, whether it's your grandma's cooking um, or, you know, your, your best friends, you know, you, every Friday night you go get, you go out and you get pizza and beer and you talk about life. So there's this sentimental value when it comes to certain foods. And so it's not so much that you can't have those experiences. It's just being aware of them and realizing, Hey, I celebrated on Monday. I celebrated on Wednesday. I celebrate on Friday. I celebrate on Wednesday on Sunday. Like, my body needs a break from this type of food. And so, you know, it's good to be aware of it and say, okay, this week or this month, I'm not doing that next Mm. month. I'll join you guys. It's just being more aware of it and and more conscious of it versus mindlessly eating it without being aware of what you're even putting in your body.
0: Yeah. yeah, I get that. Like that healthy relationship with food, I suppose is. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what did you start to do then to break (laughs) those habits that, that, that had been, had become so, instilled in you over over those six months what what did you start to do every single day I know that obviously you talk about you know self-development you talk about the importance of that like the words that you're saying to yourself the affirmations every single day how what did that what role did that play in breaking down those habits that you knew now you had built that were not serving where you had to go now over the next couple months
1: yeah. So a couple of things really helped me. Obviously meal prepping is one of the most important things that I tell people because we live in a society of convenience, especially yeah. here in America. If it's convenient, we're going to, we're going to grab it because you know, it's the most convenient option. That's why fast food is so popular here. And that's why junk food is cheaper than real food. You know, how is soda cheaper than water? right how is How is the salad more expensive than a burger and fries? like it makes no sense, but that 's the way our society is set up, and so we gravitate t- towards the more convenience and the more convenient options. So what meal prep does is it reverses that it makes the healthy food more convenient. so if you go to your kitchen and your fridge and pantry are full of all the healthy food that your body needs real food you're most likely going to grab that because it's the most convenient thing. But if your refrigerator and pantry is full of you know sugary cereal and sodas and chips, cookies, and crackers, all the, the, the good food we have here in America that's cheap and processed, mm. guess what? You're probably going to end up eating that food no matter how strong you think your willpower is because mm. it's so convenient. Yes. So meal prep makes the healthy food more convenient than the unhealthy food. And that's yeah. one of the things that can set you up for success. The second thing is accountability. So what I did personally is I, and then everyone doesn't have to do this, but I created a blog obviously, and I put myself out there to the, yes. to the yeah. public and said, Hey, I need to lose 75 pounds. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you guys do this with me, we'll, we can do this together. We yes. can keep each other accountable. So yeah. like the next time I crave something, I thought of the people that, okay, there's people all over the world doing this with me, and they are probably having cravings, but mm-hmm. they're staying on track. So I need to stay on track too. So that accountability is really powerful in yeah. keeping you on track with your healthy lifestyle.
0: I think that accountability is Everything, no matter what the goal is, you know, whether you are pushing the physical excellence or you, whatever it is, like that accountability to know that it's not just you is is everything because that that's the thing that in the moments where that you that you're doing it for is feeling a little bit weaker or having a bad day and wants to give in, that accountability to something else, something greater, something bigger, is the thing that is going to keep you on track. So I think that that's that's brilliant. That's excellent.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: Um. So now here's a question, because everything that you do, you you just go balls to the walls, right? Like, it is, this is a crazy thing that you did. Like, there is no one lining up to do this. I need to know what on God's green and beautiful earth made you follow through with this? What was the thing that, that made you decide that this is something that you're going to do?
1: Are you talking about fit to bed to fit, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like that, that whole journey.
1: <laughs> it was because, um, I was a personal trainer. I grew up my entire life in shape and I've never experienced what it's like to be overweight. And when I was training clients, I had a, a couple of clients tell me, you know, Drew, you don't understand how hard it is for people like me being overweight because you, for you, it's always been easy. And uh, you know, I can't argue with it. It has always been easy. I've always been at the top of this mountain. And as a trainer, as a coach, who's never, struggled with their weight there's a lot of trainers that fall into this category where they're on top of this mountain and their clients are here at the bottom and at the bottom you know or from the top the the journey the path up looks so easy it's like it's not that hard the journey is just right in front of you why don't you just take one step and before you know it you'll be here Mm -hmm. and from the client's perspective it's it seems impossible right Mm -hmm. and so for me for the first time Gain that perspective of what it's like to climb up and be humbled in a sense. Um, so I, I felt like it was something I was called to do. To be totally honest with you, when the idea popped up into my head, and I don't know where the idea came from. I was just thinking of ideas of how I could be a better trainer, how I could better relate to my clients, and then this idea popped up. What if you got fat on purpose and documented it for the world to see? I had no idea it would be what it is. Like I, you know, here we are, eight years later, talking about fit to the fit still, and so I, I didn't know it would become what it is today. But I had hope that it would be impactful for people and inspiring in a backwards sort of way. And luckily it happened that way.
0: She was, that is, yeah. that is well, absolutely insane. well, what was the thing you were telling yourself on the days where you were like, Oh my gosh, I can't actually do this. I mean, I'm sure you had days where you were like, Oh my gosh, the abs are going. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like the man boobs are coming. I don't want this anymore. Like the, I'm sure you had those times. What, what was that thing that you kept telling yourself over and over again? Was it just, I need the empathy or, or you, 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 you want to have that empathy for your clients or yeah, what was that?
1: It was, it was the accountability that I had put it out there on social media that I said, I was going to do what I was going to do. And I had to follow through with that. And I think for me personally, that's what works for me where I put it out there to the public and said, Hey, I'm going to do this year long journey, six months of gaining weight, six months of losing weight. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it out there for you guys to follow along. And if I quit two months in three months in, no one, would, no one would have paid attention. No one would have had me on their TV shows. Um, you know, I wouldn't have had a book deal. I wouldn't have had a TV show. Yeah. Um, all these things wouldn't have happened if I would have thrown in the towel. So I knew that I had to follow through um, for, for other people. And if you have a powerful why, even when it gets hard and you get freaked out, if you have a powerful enough why – no matter what happens, no matter how hard it gets, you're going to keep going. You're going to keep pushing. So it's important for everyone out there to find out what their why is mm-hmm. it's, and it can't be something small, like, Oh, I just want to you know, make money. I want to be famous or I want to look good. Yeah. That kind of stuff comes and goes and doesn't last very long. That's not, you know, long lasting motivation. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be something bigger than you. Yeah. And I feel like that's what drives people and keeps them consistent when it comes to their goals.
0: Yeah, that's good. So I- on a really personal level for you, you did yes. a thing that nobody is lining up to do, that nobody is, nobody is actually willing to do. So I want to know, what did you completing all of this do for your confidence and do for what you started to believe about what you could achieve
1: personally? That's a good question. Here's the thing. I think all of us are born with self-limiting beliefs and Mm -hmm. it's based off of what our parents teach us and it's based off of what their parents taught them and what society taught them Mm -hmm. that they pass on to us. And then we grew up in an environment with school, with coaches, with religion sometimes telling you, you know, what you can and can't believe and what you, you, who you should be and who you shouldn't be. And so I think we grew up with these self-limiting beliefs and that's why a lot of, uh, um, you know, you know, and, and I don't mean to be a offensive but there's a lot of kids of rich parents who grow up to be rich because their parents pass on that mindset but no, no, no,
0: absolutely. yeah mm.
1: there's a lot of kids of poor parents who grow up with a poor mentality and a poor mindset and it's kind of carried on from generation to generation because of these self-limiting beliefs yeah. and i feel like it's up to us to learn how to break that cycle change our perception and if we can learn how to change our perception we change our story that we tell ourselves and then we change our self-limiting beliefs and relay as well wow, I can do almost anything. And so me doing fit to fit to fit and having it become what it is today really opened up my eyes to, and, and really has been a testament to, okay, well, what can't I do now after doing fit to fit? And since then I've had a lot of success in business and, and personal development world as well since then. But, you know, I, I think it all comes down to, to perception.
0: Yeah that was what I was just about to say next it's I I mean anyone who has listened to me before will know that I am utterly obsessed with that link between physical and mental that that moment where you can hear the voice that says this is uncomfortable this is painful I don't want to do this and then you can also hear the voice that says but I'm going to do it anyway and the yeah. confidence that comes from all of that and that that foundational like solid belief that you start to instill in, in what you're capable of and what you can achieve. So, I was just about to say, you know, how did that not not from the standpoint of, all right, now I can understand my clients, but more from the standpoint of the beliefs you started to, to believe about yourself and instill? How did it affect your business? How did it affect your success? You know, how, yeah, just, just talk mm-hmm. to me about the other areas of your life that this started to spill over into.
1: Yeah, so this is something a lot of people don't know. But after Fit to Fit happened, I got the book deal, mm-hmm. um, which which was a successful book, New York Times bestselling book. Yes. Um, and then it wasn't until about three or four years later that I got a TV show deal, right? Through about three years later, I got a TV show deal. Mm-hmm. During that time, my from a business I know what I was doing, and I barely was surviving. I was surviving during those three years. People think, oh, you got a New York Times best-selling book. You must be a millionaire. You got a TV show. You must be a millionaire. And honestly, I didn't – I wasn't. Like, I was struggling. I really was, and I didn't want to put it out there to, you know, my social media following to say, hey, yeah, I've been on all these TV shows, and I'm, like, quote, unquote, you know, Insta-famous, uh, but I'm struggling financially. And it wasn't until about two and a half years ago mm-hmm. um, where I went through some personal – development where I went, I kind of hit rock bottom. Personally, I went through a divorce, which was really hard for me growing up in a religion where I felt like divorce was failure. And so therefore, I thought I was a failure. And this was all during, you know, fit to to fit and the the high, you know, at at its peak. And I had to pretend like I was happily married for, you know, we stayed together for about five years, to be honest with you. It was really hard for both of us. When we finally decided to get divorced and we had to make it public, I went to work on myself. I really had to find out who I really was yeah. and instead of being who I was told to be. And so that was a lot of personal you know, searching and uh, working with Life Coach, reading books by Brene Brown, being out in nature. I remember I moved to Hawaii for a year to get away from everything and to yeah. just kind of you know, figure out who I was and what my truth was in life. And after years of putting in the work, I came out of it a better man. And uh, a different perception of who I was and I finally realized who I was and it was that moment when I realized who I was I realized what I had to offer this world and and what I what that meant for my business So it was about two and a half years ago that my business finally took off Financially, you know, we reached eight figures um, You know just last year and I feel very blessed and very fortunate to get it to that level um, because we've had so much success, but I think a lot of it has to do with my, you know, aligning myself with my true self, my authentic self, I and know. not being afraid to own my story and embrace vulnerability as a strength. That's and once I just what I that, was about to
0: bring up yeah. now, because I think that so many of the women that are listening to this, they have this like innate ambition, and like you, that balls to the wall mm-hmm. attitude, that that whole thing of I got to be strong, like full force all the time, and with that comes that that almost that that feeling that makes us not want to be vulnerable that yeah. idea that vulnerability is weakness especially i yeah. think as a woman you know who who wants to do well and you know has a lot of masculine energy and is that driving force we we tend to not want to break down those walls and let people in and now coming from a man's perspective you talk a lot yeah. about that power of vulnerability so Talk to us about that. Like, what what was that that made you decide? Okay, now it's time to break down these walls.
1: Yeah. So, if if anyone listening has a chance, uh, I put a podcast out there, episode one hundred from yes. my yes. podcast. And if you get a chance to listen to the episode, you will learn why I needed to embrace vulnerability as a strength. Because embracing vulnerability as a weakness mm-hmm. broke me broke me down as a man. Eventually, after thirty one years of trying to be. Um, trying to hide my weaknesses from the world, trying to hide my weaknesses from my ex-wife, yeah. from my family and my closest friends. I was so inauthentic. I just wanted validation from people. I would do whatever it took for people to like me, mm-hmm. including lying to people, lying to myself even. And once I hit rock bottom, and I started reading books by Brené Brown and working with my life coach, who uh, uses this this thing called the Work by Byron Katie. Yeah. totally shifted my perception of who I was. I didn't need to define myself by my past anymore. It gave me the strength and courage to own my story. And embracing vulnerability as, as a strength doesn't just come overnight, especially as a man. Like this takes time to unlearn. Like you have to unlearn what you've been programmed to learn your entire life. Wow. And, and it took me a few years. And once I did that and had the courage to share my story – Mm-hmm. Right before my episode 100 aired, which is an episode where I talk about why I got divorced. I talk about yes. the addictions that I had growing up and how afraid I was of, of talking about them and admitting that I had weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I remember I got this tattoo right here. You, can't probably, you probably can't see it, but it says vulnerability is strength mm-hmm. uh, right before my podcast episode 100 aired. and ever I just since want to tell then,
0: everyone to go and listen to that. Um, Drew's podcast is called The Fit to Fat to Fit Experience episode yes. 100. You need to hear that. Like, seriously, you need to hear that, especially if, if you don't have that innate ability to be vulnerable or desire to be vulnerable. That's, that's an important thing for every single one of you to hear.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, maybe you can put a link in the show notes or something yes, or just, yeah, you just Google it. But anyways, um, yeah, once, once I embraced vulnerability as a strength, um, my whole life changed because now I wasn't afraid to be who I was. It's so freeing and liberating to be authentic and not be afraid of what other people are going to think of you. Because I think so many of us are paralyzed by fear because ever since we were a kid, we were told to act a certain way so that we could fit in so that we didn't rock the boat. And so that people would accept us and like us. And, and you start to do that. You start to conform to society as a little kid. And that makes you lose your identity as you grow older. And you want to pretend like you don't have weaknesses. You want to pretend like you're perfect so that people will like you and you could escape you know, you can skirt by in life like that. But for me, it eventually broke me and I had to learn the hard way, but I'm so grateful for all those hard lessons, even going through a divorce. Like that was one of the hardest things I've been through both Mm -hmm. for me and my ex. But I, I promise if you talk to her today, uh, we're both super grateful for that because it freed us from this inauthentic life. We were both living and we're such better people now because of it. And because of that, now we have two daughters together. They get to see the real authentic, you know, parents that we should of those, those, um, those uh, beliefs that were instilled in us and it's up to us Mm -hmm. to break the cycle. Like I said, so I'm grateful I learned it now so that my daughters can learn the right way from me how to embrace vulnerability as a strength.
0: Yeah. I love that. And okay. So something I I, want to know now is because you you talk about embracing vulnerability as a strength and everyone can do that, right? Whether you have a massive platform of people to Mm -hmm. tell about the story or not, embracing vulnerability as a strength for yourself is one thing. Embracing vulnerability and telling hundreds of thousands of people about it is another. Why did you yeah. decide to go so public with everything?
1: That's a good question. So I'm not sure if you know who Terry Crews is. He's a very famous actor here in the US, big muscular dude. He's been on a lot of commercials yeah. and, and movies and just like a man's man. You look at him, you're like, man, that, that, that dude is awesome. I remember years ago, he opened, Facebook Live talking about his porn addiction, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is out there talking publicly about his porn addiction. Like, how can he possibly like? I would couldn't even imagine doing something like that. Mm-hmm. But it gave me strength. It gave me courage. Was like, man, maybe one day I'll be able to do the same thing. And this and that was around the time that I started putting in the work. And like I said, it's not something that happened overnight. After years of doing the work and working on myself, and and be, having the courage to share my story, the reason I shared it is because I knew the power of uh, vulnerability breeds vulnerability and so if I could be vulnerable with people it would give them permission and courage hopefully to be vulnerable as well because I know there's a lot of men and women too stuck in this situation where I was because I've had probably thousands of people reach out to me after episode 100 aired saying thank you for sharing that like I'm going through the same thing I don't know how to talk to my spouse my friends my family about it and that gave me the strength and courage to make the first step to healing myself and and healing the situation even though you got to go through hell first to talk about it and and step into the arena like Brene Brown talks about and embrace vulnerability and my hope is that it would give people courage to make that first step and so that's why I decided to share it with people because I knew it this wasn't just me going through this there's you know probably millions of people suffering with the same thing yeah. and my hope was to give people strength
0: that's so powerful so so powerful So kind of just like bringing it back to the most simple question on that, that I can ask you is what do you think that the most valuable thing about being so vulnerable was like, what, what did it bring you? What was the most valuable thing that that brought you?
1: it brought me a different sense of purpose. So here I was the fit to fit to fit guy helping people transform their, their physical body. Mm -hmm. But we all know that's not the most fulfilling thing in life just because we think, Oh, if we're skinny, if we have money, then we'll be happy. But we know there's more to life than that. And so bringing fulfillment to people, to myself and what worked for me and sharing that with people to give them a roadmap and tools and tricks and hacks that have helped me find a place of fulfillment and at peace with my past. Yeah. Um, it gives me a sense of purpose. It really gives me a different sense of purpose. Like, Hey, I'm out here on a mission to help other people who have struggled. Because if I had someone back in my day when I was struggling, show the bravery and courage that that I feel like I'm doing now, it would have given me the strength earlier in my, in my life to hopefully make these steps. And I wouldn't have had to suffer for 30 years, uh, to figure that out. And so it gives me a different type of purpose to help not just men, but women, people in general, who struggle with vulnerability and embracing it and owning your story. And I think the more we talk about it, the less power shame will have over us because there's a lot of people living in shame and guilt because of something they did in the past or because of who they are. And the more we talk about it, the less power shame has over us.
0: I love that. I think that's really brilliant, especially with someone with your kind of reach and your kind of influence to do something like that. I think it is gonna have that powerful, powerful influence that like you said, vulnerability breeds vulnerability to give people that permission to break down. And, and I think like you were saying earlier, be that most authentic you, because that comes from your vulnerability. Like you, you, you can't bullshit your way to your most authentic you. You have to really break down yourself to your most authentic you, you know? So I think that that's really amazing. So before I ask my last question, just tell everyone where they can reach you and find you, I'll put all the links in the show notes.
1: Sure yeah oh so where can people find me yeah, yeah, yeah. Social okay media. uh super simple all of my social media handles are at fit to fat to fit with a number two uh facebook twitter instagram youtube are all fit to fat to fit that's my website fit to, fat to fit.com and my first book fit to fat to fit and then my podcast the fit to, fat to fit experience just google that you'll find everything you guys uh, and i'll try and keep you entertained
0: Okay. Brilliant. All right. So, um, obviously, I mean, you were saying your business has now reached eight figures. You're doing really well, you know, obviously you're a very successful guy. So if, if you were to give one piece of advice, one skill, one tool, just one that you would credit that success to, what would it be?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think, Couple things. One is self-discovery, knowing who you are, Uh, and the sooner you realize who you are, you know you're you're going to find out what your purpose is, what your passion is in life. Because if you don't know who you are yet, you're still, you know, you still don't know what you have to offer this world. You don't have that confidence yet to say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is my mission. This is my passion. This Mm -hmm. is my drive. This is why I wake up every single morning. If you don't have that yet, I think it has to do with self-discovery. And and once I discovered who I was then I feel like my whole life changed. But then on top of that, you have to have the courage to be your authentic self. Wow. So you can discover who you are and be like, oh man, this is going to be hard. I don't know if people are going to accept me. Um, you have to have the courage to accept who you are and and have the courage to just to to be yourself in this world and uh, the world needs your authentic self. Right. Um, And that's my opinion. So hopefully that helps.
0: I love that. That's, that's, that's so, so important. That is literally, that is find the curiosity to figure yourself out and then have the balls to be that person. You know, I think that is so great and so, so important. I mean, I couldn't have put it better. That is so excellent. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, that was so great. It was so awesome to hear from you and to chat to you. You are a freaking legend, like absolutely kind of crazy, but the best kind of crazy that there is. So I'm so grateful that I got to chat to you and pick your brain and, and yeah, just have you share all of that. It was so incredible. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Likewise. I had a great time. Thank you for having me on.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much.